Welcome to King of Glory Lutheran Church Education Podcast. We are a Christian community of faith located in Williamsburg, Virginia. For more information, please visit us on the web at kogva.org. Let us ever walk with Jesus was one of the um, hymns for communion. And as soon as I heard the melody, I immediately thought of confirmation and my confirmation because we, Dad had us memorize the hymn and we sang it. But I had never heard or sung the second verse the way I sang it this morning. And Chip, who is sitting right next to me, can, can um, testify to the visceral reaction that I had when we sang it. And you'll, you'll know when I kind of jumped out of my skin. Verse 2, let us ever walk with Jesus. Let us suffer here with Jesus and with patience bear our cross. Joy will follow all our sadness. Where he is, there is no loss. Though today we sow no laughter, we shall reap celestial joy. All discomforts that annoy shall give way to mirth hereafter. (laughs) Jesus here, I share your woe. Help me there your joy to know. And I said, wow. Um, And of course, both of us were, um, we were, yeah, wow. (laughs) Uh, Okay. Um, So you should have a hand out in front of you. And on, on that page, um, we have um, this statement. Most people <coughs> think of the Bible as a pretty serious and strange book. How do you relate to an ark or a crucifixion or horrific stories in which God is the oppressor? And I make no apology for that because God is a God of justice, He's a God of judgment, and throughout Scripture, God does extraordinary things, um, terrible things as he exercises his judgment. But there's another side of scripture that just by the study reveals. God has a sense of humor. Um, Join us as we together explore and study outrageous and hilarious scenes from the Bible. So the first thing we're going to do is we're going to talk a little bit about who we are. Um, So uh, I'm Pastor Flip Keener, and I was challenged this morning, why don't I spell it P-L-I-P? Because my oldest sister called me Flippy. And, and when she would write, I was much younger than when she would write, when she would write me occasionally from college, it was Dear F-L-I-P-P-Y. <laughs> so Chip and Flip kind of go together, and so uh, so we have formed it. So a little bit about myself. Um, was raised in Missouri City Home, uh, very conservative Lutheran pastor. Uh, first five years was in New Orleans, the Lower Ninth Ward of New Orleans, that in 1965 was destroyed by Hurricane Betsy. I came in 1970, five years after Betsy, and the community was in the middle of rebuilding. And in 1975, the year that I left, was the year that the 10-year SBA loans were paid off. There was no FEMA back then, but the Small Business Administration was a government's agency that provided uh, low-cost, low-interest loans to people that they could rebuild their homes. 
Uh, there was a one-year grace period. Uh, they didn't have to start repaying it. So in 75, there was a lot of joy and celebration in the Lower Ninth Ward because those, those loans were being paid off. Uh, then we went to Atlanta, Georgia, where um, we served for 18 years, uh, Lutheran Church of the Ascension. Uh, turned 50, midlife crisis. My wife, who had born in New Orleans, um, was born in Jackson, Mississippi, raised in New Orleans, and then after our ministry in New Orleans and Atlanta, she wanted to go north, and it's a caution, be careful what you pray for, because sometimes God takes you literally, and on the, um, on the envelope, the return address of the envelope that I received from Zion Lutheran Church, in very small print, it was the world's northernmost Lutheran Church, Missouri Synod congregation in the world. That was on the <laughs> we, there was no, there was nothing further north for us to go to, and that's where we spent 16 wonderful, wonderful years, um, and then for the last nine years, been here. Chip. For those of you that don't know me, my real title is the very righteous, reverend, most holy, omnipotent one. <laughs> Get your watches up. Everything else is lost. So, um, most of you probably know this, but uh, we, I I started my ministry, actually, I think Phil and I both did this. We were prep school guys, right? No. You weren't. I came to junior college. Oh, oh, yeah. So he's not as great, you know, he doesn't have the (laughs) real stuff. I I started prep school in ninth grade. Uh, went to uh, the 12-year system that the Synod had at that time. Um, uh, I started in Milwaukee, where I grew up, Fort Wayne, Indiana, for two years, which is the only college of its kind in the in the world, I believe. Just the junior and senior years of, of college. It was all the pastoral candidates that came together. So it was all males, too. And then on to seminary in St. Louis, and then I, I received my first call. I did my vicarage in Minneapolis, which is a great place to do that. Wonderful. Uh, it's just a little west of paradise. <laughs> uh, and, and my first call was to uh, Trinity Lutheran Church in Hicksville, New York, which is Long Island, uh, about 20 miles, 25 miles due east of, of Manhattan, which was the mother church of Long Island. It was founded in 1865. And... Uh, Huge, it was big, big congregation, big school. And I spent, uh, I started there as the assistant to the pastor. There was no senior pastor, but I was his assistant. <laughs> there was an assistant pastor who then became the senior pastor, and then I became the assistant pastor. And then, you know, pay grades got me up to being associate pastor. <laughs> and, and at that time, the only benefit in becoming an associate versus an assistant is I could vote at, at, at um, Conventions, if you're an associate, but not as an assistant. <laughs> so after five and a half years, uh, we, we've had just enough of that being there on Long Island, and we moved 15 miles east <laughs> to to Dix Hills, where I they could not get rid of me. I spent 33 plus years there. Uh, wonderful congregation. I just pre- preached back there a couple weeks ago. Just the best part about that, and I didn't share this. Best part about that is I, as I got up there to preach and I looked out, I said, "You know what's really neat? I don't know many of them because we've been gone for going on seven years now." 
That's a great thing. You know, there were a lot of good faces that I did recognize, but there were a lot of people I didn't. So, so then we retired came to uh, King of Glory, and you know, it's been fun to be here. Great, you're all great people. And Pastor Harmon, I've known since he was a kid. <laughs> so that was kind of fun. And he welcomes us, retired pastors, which I have to tell you this, a lot of places do not. I don't know why. I mean, we're... we're Basically harmless. People will say, well, what do you think about this? I said, I don't think anymore. It doesn't matter. Oh, gosh. So, um, so part of what we're going to be doing, we're also going to be looking at humor, comedy, and what makes um, the laughter. And uh, it's a huge industry out there, as we know. Um, cable streaming channels have dedicated, um, there are dedicated uh, channels just to stand up. It's huge. It really is. Uh, the, uh, so, a, th a little bit about us. Chip is, unfortunately, um, he is someone that has a terminal condition that's called panitis, that, which means that he can generally not put two sentences together without at least one of those sentences having a, a pun. And usually it's <laughs> really a terrible pun. No, really. really. Well, fortunately, when I said that, he immediately reacted, but Kathy, his wife, was here, and she immediately affirmed what I had said. <laughs> so I feel really good. So, and then on the other side... What does she know? She married me. <laughs> and then uh, Flip is tired of dealing with depressing stories for the Bible. Really? That, if you followed me at all, you know that the depressing stories of the Bible is my bread and butter. Uh, that's, uh, my doctoral thesis was theodicy, why do bad things happen um, in the world to good people, to Christians? Um, did, um, was the uh, testimony played at the service yes. this morning? Yeah. Um, extraordinary, uh, where this young man um, invited 25,000 young people to enter his world. And we know that, that he was not the only one among those 25,000 who had gone through something like that. Um, and for him, it was a double whammy. You know, how many did he lose his father? But he also lost his uh, years later as a sophomore in college, loses his older brother, his best friend. It's just it's incredible. Um, and so, and that will continue. That will continue to be a focus of my ministry because uh, the, uh, the terrible things in life, um, the things that, that come upon us are the shoals upon which the Christian faith can break apart. They, they simply are. And unless we um, prepare ourselves and our people to understand that um, simply because God loves us, Jesus loved me, this I know, we are not immune from, from things that come along and interrupt our lives and bring upon ourselves the most horrible situations. Um, Judy and my experience with her sister's murder uh, is something that We'll never get, you know, that, that continued to be a cloud over us um, 
their sister. And so um, I'm not tired of dealing with depressing stories, but everybody needs a break once in a while. <laughs> Absolutely. And, and we hope that, that and, and on Friday, we spent a couple hours working on this, and we, we had a lot of fun. We had a lot of fun. Okay. Uh, outrageous. Now, we want to take this very, very seriously. For those who have been raised with Bible stories like the flood, the exodus, are taken for granted. <coughs> you raised with them from children, never question them. Of course they happen. But for people who have no Bible background, they are preposterous and absolutely outrageous. And, and so I think part of this is to, to take a look at some of these outrageous stories that maybe we have grown immune to the totally outrageous parts of this, and take another look at that um, in terms of how um, backing off from the particular to seeing the big picture can often give, provide us some relief. And so the question is, does, does humor have a role in the church? And um, Chip, if you could come up here and uh, maybe just talk a little bit, we'll talk together in terms of uh, role of humor in your preaching. Um, I, I don't know if you can duplicate. Probably you don't even remember what you said an hour ago, but that's okay. But he had a I'll let you know before he opens his mouth. What he said an hour ago is absolutely wonderful in terms of, of preaching here. Okay. wasn't so bad, you know. But but there is a proper time and a proper place, uh, and 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 I think I believe that God has a sense of humor, right? He created all of us, right, and gave us individual gifts and abilities and, and all those things which made that possible. So if there's an appropriate way to do that, and and you know sometimes I work very hard at that. Other times it just kind of comes. <laughs> That's the sickness. But yeah, but humor, yeah. yes. Um, uh, actually, I didn't even think of this one, but if, even in our bodies, we have a bone that's called the humerus. Some of us have many of those. And what is this? This is a funny bone. And then in de-escalating tension, uh, yeah. those of us who've been um, around the church for a long time um, know that tensions can build. Uh, and in especially in that congregation in Fairbanks, where we were dealing with some very, very difficult situations uh, between an older group of members um, who were absolutely sure that where we were going with the congregation in terms of buying land, building a child development center, and then building a sanctuary, they were absolutely certain that we were taking the congregation to its bankruptcy and to its end. And then there were some older men, some some other members, some of them older, who had a sense of humor. And in those difficult 
tent could, could say something that was so funny that everybody kind of forgot about that and were able to laugh about it. And so humor can be a wonderful vehicle for de-escalating tension and making things better. Um, so, as a vicar, with all these wild ideas about life and ministry, I asked Judy to marry me on vicarage, and then we decided that we would be married by her pastor, who was a pastor in, in New Orleans. And so we went in um, with great anticipation to our premarital counseling session. You know? And um, Lori Grump, his name was Lori Grump, and a great preacher, kind of an impressive person. Um, and he chit-chats with us a little bit, and he said, uh, he said, the only thing that I want to tell you is that um, for marriage, it's important that you don't lose your sense of humor. And that was it. We got no more, you know, I was ready to, you know, you know, I needed, you know, don't, but guess what? It's really true. In marriage, it's really important that you don't, uh, because there are situations that only, yeah. Okay, you don't have to talk about it. No. <laughs> you probably don't want to know. <laughs> and, and now when we come to the Bible, the Bible is not a comic book. It's, it's just, just really not. Um, it's not the funny papers. So what are the facts? And so on your handout, um, we that when you look at laughter, laugh, laughing and laughing, there are 38 references. And what we're going to do real quickly, and we're going to try to do this a little bit better than we did in the first class. So, um, um, Mike, if you can do uh, Genesis chapter... And I messed this up. 16, 16. Is it 16, 16? No, 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 no. 17, 17. It's 17, 17, yes. Mike, if you can read 17, 17. Abraham fell. Oh, I'm not checking. I'm going to line this up. Okay, and then 18, 12. If um, uh, let's let's start with verse eleven through um, thirteen, eleven through thirteen, and um, Beth, can you do that? Mm -hmm. Okay, and then uh, Job eight twenty one. Mark, can you do that? Mm -hmm. And then Psalm one twenty six verses two and three. Sure. Yeah, one twenty six Psalm two and three. Ecclesiastes 3, 2 to 4. Yeah, sure. And then uh, finally, Luke chapter 6, verse 21. Jan, can you do that? <coughs> verse 21. Uh, it's not written out there. So Luke 6, verse 21. Okay, Phil, Mike? Phil, can you tell me mine again real quickly? <laughs> what, was it Genesis? The second, the second Genesis one. Yeah, it was uh, 18, 11 through 13. Okay. Thank you. 18, 11 through 13. Okay, here we go. We have a few scriptures, just a, not all 38 of them, but just a few. Mike, you can go. Abraham fell face down. He laughed and said to himself, Will a son be born to a man a hundred years old? Will Sarah bear a child at the age of 90? 
Okay. Why was he laughing? It was outrageous. Now Abraham and Sarah were old, advanced in years. The way of women had ceased to be with Sarah. So Sarah laughed to herself, saying, After I am worn out and my Lord is old, shall I have pleasure? The Lord has said to Abraham, Why did Sarah laugh and say, Shall I indeed bear a child now that I am old? Great. Psalm 126. Then our mouth was filled with laughter, and our tongue with shouts of joy. Then they said among the nations, The Lord has done great things for them. The Lord has done great things for us. We are glad. Um, And there, laughter is a result of God's blessing them, doing something wonderful for them. It's just not, oh God, thank you, but it's like, ah, okay. Um, And then Ecclesiastes 3, 2 to 4. Um, A time to be born, a time to die, a time to plant, and a time to pluck up what is planted, a time to kill, and a time to heal, a time to break down, and a time to build up, a time to weep, and a time to laugh, a time to mourn, and a time to dance. And and, um, unfortunately, Chip wasn't able to replicate the wonderful thing that he said an hour ago. He got close, but, but what he said so wonderfully is that it takes a knowing when it's appropriate to tell a joke. Um, it's, it's so very, very important. And also who, uh, who, who, who is, you, yeah. Who you're speaking with. Who you're speaking with. Yeah. And that's what, yeah. So, sure. um, and then um, Luke 6, 21, Jan. Luke 6, 21. Blessed are you who are hungry now, for you shall be satisfied. Read on. Gosh. Okay. Blessed are you who weep now, for you shall laugh. Yes, that's that's a part again. Hunger satisfied. We, you know, and um, my favorite psalm, uh, Psalm 30, uh, Psalm 30, verse 5. Weeping may endure for the night, but joy, laughter comes in the morning. So it's 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 part of that. Uh, Mark does the Job verse. You didn't call oh, Job, please. Oh. He will yet fill your mouth with laughter and your lips with shouting. Yeah. And who was it? Job. 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 Yeah. Can you believe that he was laughing? Yeah. Um, okay. There seems to be no instance where someone is intentionally trying to be funny in the Bible. Can you think of any instance where there is irony? Certainly. Intention. The irony in some of Jesus' teaching in the Old Testament prophets, I mean, it just drips. Uh, but in terms of trying to be, to, to, it's, 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 just, it's, just not, it's just not there. So the question, which uh, Chip answered already, uh, does God have a sense of humor? And the answer is? This is most certainly true. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so All let's right. sing. Oh, yeah. yeah, so this is one of my top This is not, I don't think there's, this is copyrighted, is it? No. <laughs> this is one of my top tens. This is a song that I learned back in the 70s in Hicksville. Um, and there's many verses, right? And it, uh, you guys can pick this up. Um, it's called the Sunday School Song. I'll, I'll sing the refrain. <laughs> you ready? It goes this way. 
Old folks, young folks, everybody come. Come to the Sunday school and have a lot of fun. Leave your chewing gum and tobacco at the door and you'll hear some Bible stories that you've never heard before. And then the first verse. <laughs> Noah was a carpenter stumbling in the dark. Tripped over a hammer and built himself an ark. In came the animals two by two. The hippojammeramus and the yellow kangaroo. Oh, folks, young folks, everybody come. Come to the Sunday school and have a lot of fun. Leave your chewing gum and tobacco at the door. And you'll hear some Bible stories that you've never heard before. In came the elephant and in came the bear. In came the baboon without any hair. Forty days and forty nights he sailed upon the pond. And he kicked out the lioness because she was a blonde. Oh, 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 oh folks, young folks, everybody come. Come to the Sunday school and have a lot of fun. Leave your chewing gum and tobacco at the door, and you'll hear some Bible stories that you've never heard before. I learned that from the teachers in our in our day school, all right, in our preschool. I then took it to the next congregation in 1999. A young man who's a music teacher sent me an email with all these verses. He said, "I remember this when I was a child that you taught us this, and it helped me to learn my Bible story." Anything is possible. <laughs> okay. So every, there is a huge collection of art that depicts Latin Jesus. And so each week we will show you another picture of Latin Jesus. And so this is and this if, if you notice down here, this is the beginning of a flaming heart. So this is Roman Catholic in, in, in origin. Um, so it very we saw none of those in any of the uh, cathedrals or the churches that we visited in, in Europe. <laughs> no, 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 no. There may be, but we never found them. Um, so, today, is there anybody else up there? Um, we, want, we want to be very clear um, that Chip and I do not in any way condone Bill Cosby behavior. Um, it's a tragic, tragic story that has afflicted and um, crashed men of great gifts, uh, as the Me Too movement have, have revealed this sordid um, aspect. Um, so we do not approve that, but, um, and there's also parts of Martin Luther's history that we do not approve. Um, we know that Martin Luther today, because of his writings and his stance on certain things, he would not be given uh, any hearing in Christian churches today. We, we simply know that. But because of the great gift that he has given to the church, and especially to us Lutherans, we continue to use him, and we uh, pray that God would forgive him for those things that, that were certainly offensive, and certainly not in the spirit of Christ. Um, so with that, um, we are going to... Um, we're going to lower the lights just a little bit so you can get the full effect of. And Hester, you might tell the people online that they won't hear this. Yes, I, and those who are in line, uh, you're not going to hear this because of certain. 
Copyright. Copyright. So, um, it's 18 inches for those to hold That's right. That's it. Yeah. 
you know, I, 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 I can be that. I can do that. I have all the answers. Has, has that, by the way, has that changed? No. no. I, I don't think so. Uh, so we come to this. Uh, this is a symbol of sin, right? What do you, what do you think? Why, why would that be a symbol of sin? Constantly repeats itself. And self-centeredness. Right, yeah. We put who in the center of everything? Ourselves. Me. Rather than God. All right? So, uh, what, do we, what do we get here? Uh, two kids? What happens? Murder. Yeah. Cain and Abel can't really deal with that. All right? Still, still more. You know, it starts with God. Kids, all right? Then we move down to uh, this one, the murder, all right? Then we move over to this one, all right? What do you think this is? Heavenly beings? Mark the king. Yeah, yeah. And the problems that, that arises between mankind and the heavenly beings, all right? And then... The, the, the thought was, well, we can solve this. We'll, we'll build ourselves up to God. Mm -hmm. We'll build a tower, right? Everybody knows what that tower was, right? Mm -hmm. Babel or Babel, all right? And, and the reality is, then mankind found it more difficult to communicate to one another. And I think the, the, the humor in this, in a sense, is the answer was not in, in that, but it was how we communicate with God. And if we communicate with God, then we perhaps can communicate a little bit better with others. Uh, I find this extremely interesting um, today, and I, I didn't even say this at the, in the early. Uh, Kathy and I love to be with our families. We love to go out to public places and all that. And we have a rule that if we're with our family at a table, you can't have any of these devices. <laughs> We need to communicate with one another. We need to communicate with God. You know, and this is the kind of thing I think where the world has, has, has continues to, to go in such an incredibly wrong direction. People do not want to look people in the eye. Uh, uh, last week we went on a little road trip with uh, the, the organ committee. Half the fun was being in the car with those people. You know, just talking and and all that kind of stuff. I turned off the radio, right? It was a long trip. I turned off the radio. What do we have to do? Talk to one another. And people are doing that, and I think that's a, that's a problem in our society. But, but, but the sin that we had is get it just overwhelms us. All right? Uh, uh, what does God say? Let he, let he who is without sin cast the first stone? All right? Uh, Sin no more, and what do we do? We sin some more. You know that that's that's the tension that's in our life. All right. So God saw how that was going, and and what happened? If you notice this, the the whole world's breaking apart. How are we doing with that today? It hasn't changed, right? I think one of the big differences, of course, today is that we know more. All right. Whether it whether our knowledge is accurate or not is another whole issue, but we know more, all right? I don't know about you, but I, for one, whenever I listen to the, the news, which I try not to do too often, all right, I go, what's the truth? 
So, so that that's an issue that that we have to to uh, to deal with in our in our life. And and this symbol is the sin of judgment that God will call upon us. Right. However, this is good, but this one is this is awesome because it reminds us of the reality in our lives just as it was at the beginning that yes sin is a result of the fall right let he who sin sin no more we do the opposite all right what's the result of sin death, death. death all right judgment all right results in death that's one statistic we can be pretty much sure of in our life, right? One out of every one person that is born will die. All right? Will die. All right? But what? Grace. What is it? What is grace? The giftedness of God yeah. towards us. Yeah. Yeah. Unconditional love. God's riches at Christ's expense. That's grace. That's the ultimate, I think. God's riches at Christ's expense. Right? So God plays that line, right? So but this this kind of thing goes over and over again. Said murder, you know, can enable. What happens? Expulsion. They're sent out. But then there's the sign. God's grace is still sufficient for that, right? Uh, cosmic confusion? Huh, haven't gotten beyond that, have we? All right? But here we go. Right there, God says, hey, it might be time for what? A do-over. <laughs> right? A do-over. All right? So the flood. The grace? Because he says, hey, Noah. Build the ark. Can you imagine it? Is that somewhat hilarious? <laughs> you know, one guy is going to build an ark. And by the way, contrary to what you might think, in that picture of the ark that was, he didn't have all those tools. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Were you there warned to help him? No. <laughs> He's doing it still on his own. You know, in a sense. But was he doing it on his own? No, only by the help of God and God's grace in that. All right? So, you know, Noah does. But in the end, what happens? The, the, the cycle happens again. All right? So God's goodness is always there for us. Do we listen? Do we call on God to help us? And do we realize that his grace will be sufficient? So after we get through those first 11 chapters of, of Genesis, which we often call biblical prehistory, right? then we're introduced to another person that God chooses out of the world right? by the name of Father Abraham, who had many sons, and many sons had Father Abraham. And what? He never left Ha Ha. He never cried Ha Ha. Yeah. All he did was go on for the next quarter. But you are one of them. Right. Mm -hmm. And so am I. Mm -hmm. So that we're in this whole thing, and, and God 
looks at us and he says, they're my people. He loves us unconditionally. Not because we're good, but because we're gods. And I always like to tell people, think of this, you know, think of this lovely face. On God's dresser, he has a picture. (laughs) And he looks and he says, I really love you. Not because you're perfect. But why? Because I'm his. Because you're mine. I mean, that's somewhat outrageous, mm-hmm. all right? But isn't that true if we think about this enough? Then I'll sit down. Isn't it true? You know, some of you have multiple children, right? Which one do you love the best? And we as parents say what? We love them all the same. Do you ever get accused of loving one of your grandchildren more than another? All the time. (laughs) But what's the truth? Maybe one of them is more loving. (laughs) (laughs) Just say, you've got the personality to deal with, you know. (laughs) You're going to leave today with an assignment. Um, And that assignment is to read Genesis chapter 6, 7, Eight and nine. What we're going to do right now in the minutes that we have, we're going to take a, a quick <coughs> journey through those chapters, beginning with chapter six, in order to highlight uh, the important aspects of the um, of the story as placed in context, as Pastor uh, Chip has done, in terms of God's grand plan of sin. Um, in terms of the explanation of where sin came from, from human beings, and then God's judgment, and then always um, God's response to grace. So, um, the story of Noah, and on your handout, uh, there's um, an outline that illustrates by scripture the three illustrations that share with you. Um, on chapter 6, we're going to begin with verse 5. Um, verses 1 through 4 is the cosmic confusion where uh, the, the, sons, um, the sons of God commingled with the daughters of men, uh, produced this super race of Nephilim, uh, and then it turned bad. Verse 5, the Lord saw that the wickedness of man was great in the earth, and that every intention of the thoughts of his heart was only evil continually. St. Paul in Romans chapter 7 says, the good that I would I do not, the evil that I would not that I do, O wretched man that I am. And I think uh, if we are realistic about ourselves, uh, he speaks about that part of ourselves. And then comes this so sad response, and the Lord was sorry that he made man on the earth, and it grieved him to his heart. Can you imagine that? You know, uh, after God goes to this extraordinary, this creative surge, um, the cosmos and all that, and then he looks at it and says, clearly, this is not good. The Lord said, I will blot out man whom I have created from the face of the land, Man and animals and creeping things and birds of the heaven, for I am sorry that I made them. But Noah found favor in the sight of the Lord. So it's, it's and, and there, uh, that then comes uh, 
the um, so um, chapter verse eight verse eleven. If we can skip to that. But God remembered Noah and all the beasts and all the livestock that were with him in the ark. <coughs> wow, it's a wonderful thing to be remembered by God. Um, and um, Pastor Chip's illustration of our picture being on God's dresser. Huh? You know, we have pictures of our children and grandchildren around the house, mm-hmm. you know, so that we can remember them. They, they remind us of who they are. And God, and so it, it, it was a great thing for God to remember them. Um, and then God's response was it, it, to, um, to, to dry the waters and to, um, to make things um, where life was once sustainable on the earth. As you read these chapters this week, um, marvel in the way the story unravels, uh, bit by bit, uh, process by process. And if you can uh, allow uh, the monologue by Cosby to fuel your creativity when you read this and you think about uh, Noah's response when these birds came back and, 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 and all the other stuff that needed do we happen in order to sustain life in that ark? Certainly with divine help. Um, it's, it just becomes a wonderful story. Um, so chapter 9. Let's go, And we're going to spend some time now in chapter 9. And God blessed Noah and his sons and said to them, Be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth. The fear of you and the dread of you shall be upon every beast of the earth and upon every bird of the heavens, upon everything that creeps on the ground and all the fishes see into your hand they are delivered. Um, and this um, this is kind of an anticipation of what's going to be happening now when we pick up with verse 11. You can skip to verse 11. I will establish my covenant with you that never again shall all flesh be cut off by the waters of the flood. And never again shall there be a flood to destroy the earth. So um, God goes from grieving that he's created the earth to, um, in the uh, aftermath of the flood, as the waters recede and his life once again begins to take place on the earth, that God says, I'm going to bind myself in a covenant that I'm never going to do something like that again. What's the problem with that as we live in today's world? The problem with that is that uh, there are natural disasters that for the people who find themselves in the midst of it, it, it would be almost impossible for them to think that God is not going back on his promise. A tsunami um, that devastated took 250,000 lives. Um, Hurricane um, Katrina, uh, and, and there are other things. And we have to take that in terms of God's overall concern for his creation, which finds its defining point not in not in the debate that we can have about natural disasters, but rather that 
focuses on the cross of Jesus Christ and what God had done in creation at that point in order to redeem the world in spite of these things that from a biblical standpoint you say can this be God's judgment? You know? And there are Christians who really feel that. You know that um, we as Lutherans we stop God's judgment at the cross and say that there's that we have to find a different explanation than God's judgment, although within the lives of individuals, that may be experienced as God's judgment. And that's where it becomes really, really tricky, because for the person of faith, they're going to have a different perspective on these events in life than the person who does not have a perspective of faith. So that's, and that's why it's so important that we wrestle with scripture like this and consider what, what is God doing? When God makes this covenant, what is he really saying? And how is that binding? However, <clears throat> is there any of us who sees a rainbow uh, who is not affectively moved? In other words, uh, kind of, you lose your breath, your heart skips a beat when you see a rainbow. Is, isn't that our reaction when we see a rainbow? And I think part of that has to do with um, this promise that God has said that um, move through sin, take their good child famed wife, wife, they have nothing that, that the perspective is not necessarily on what we have in this life, but rather what God has promised in the life to come. And so <clears throat> that perspective then gives us, I think, a way to understand this covenant that God has made. This is a sign of the covenant, verse 12, make between me and you and every living creature that is with you for all future generations. I have set my bow in the cloud and it shall be a sign of the covenant between me and the earth. When I bring clouds over the earth and the bow is seen in the clouds, I will remember my covenant that is between me and you and every living creature of all flesh. Is it good to be, re is it good to be remembered by God? <laughs> you bet. And here, he says, I will remind my covenant that between me and you and every living creature and the water shall never again become a flood to destroy all flesh. You see the floods of today. The what? The floods of today. It's not him going, he's not going back on his word because he said he would never do it to the whole earth again. Yeah, that's exactly right. He did not say, I will not do it to it. That's right. And, then, and that, we have to understand it from that perspective. Yes. The story doesn't have a happy ending. Um, Verse 18, the sons of Noah who went forth from Shem, Ham, and Japheth. Ham was a father of Canaan, note that. These three were the sons of Noah, and from these people the whole earth were dispersed. Noah began to be a man of the soil, and he planted a vineyard. He drank of the wine and became drunk and lay uncovered in his tent. Ham, the father of Canaan, saw the nakedness of his father and told his two brothers outside. He thought it was funny and went and told his brothers, hey, come come look at this. Look at dad, drunk. Huh? The brothers had different ideas. Then Shem, Shem and Japheth took a garment, laid it on both their shoulders, walked backward and covered the nakedness of their father. Because uh, throughout scripture, to see the nakedness of a person is, is an abomination and great insult. And so those brothers, um, they um, 
were appropriate in making sure. I mean, it's, it's graphic. I mean, you can imagine these two, you know, holding a blanket between their shoulders and then covering their father's head. And then comes a very problematic passage, uh, and that's the curse on Cain, um, which tragically was used um, for a time to justify slavery of what was felt to be the descendants of Cain, which were people of color. Um, and and we, we know that that, um, that is not the case. So, um, read. Yeah. 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 Um, that was your line. No. Go ahead. No, you. I would suggest that you read all the first eleven chapters. Oh gosh, because then you'll be prepared for next week. That's right. <laughs> yeah, just just to, to read it in continuity. Yes. Uh, the, the other one little grace note that I that I I don't know if I just read over this many times, but in chapter eight, verse twenty, when Noah comes out of the ark, it says, "Then Noah built an altar to the Lord." You know, a little grace note of him saying, okay, I've been communicating with you, God. I, I'm responding. His love, our response concept, I think in our life that's important. We take things for granted. All They're this. gifts. Yeah. They're gifts. Yeah. So, um, we're going to review this again next week. The sin, judgment, grace sequence that continues to today. Um <clears throat> Does chapter 6, verse 5, and verse 11 destroy, describe today's world? And I think we, uh, that's where every, every thought of man's heart is and, and how the violence has become so much a part of our... It, it does. It absolutely does. Then the judgment. Um, I will destroy them with the earth. And I have already raised the question about, what, about natural disasters. Is that God's judgment today? Um, and then grace, where water becomes an incredibly important part in the, I don't know if you remember the green hymnal, the Lutheran Book of Worship, some of you may remember that. Um, the, the rite of baptism has Luther's Eucharistic prayer, in which Luther goes through the Old Testament um, up to John the Baptist's baptism, and every instance where baptism, be, where water becomes a vehicle of salvation, Luther mentions that in the Eucharistic prayer for baptism. It's beautiful. And, uh, and again, um, the irony of water, because um, water floated the ark, right? Mm -hmm. So it was a vehicle of life for Noah and his family and the animals, but water then also became the vehicle of death for all other human beings. Um, so the reality, in spite of... Um, Bill Cosby's take on it, there's not much to laugh about in this story uh, because of the uh, heart-rending reality that it talks about of that situation in life and those family and the consequences of that. So, um, how do we respond to the flood in our world? We have just trust that we had a great conversation about that. Uh, and for next week, don't fail to come. Uh, there are some really hilarious scenes in scripture, the fig leaf shame, sham in Genesis 1 to 3, and we will see you uh, hopefully next week. Any questions before we leave? Please ask him a hard question. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. I appreciate your...
Questions? <laughs> well, we have this close with prayer. Yeah, are, are we okay? Well, only God can answer that question. <laughs> <laughs> we pray. Heavenly Father, send us on our way to uh, reflect the love of Jesus into a world that uh, struggles with that so much. May we, as individuals who uh, have gone through the waters of baptism, have been washed in the blood of the Lamb, be able to reflect in our lives that which you have brought to us, forgiveness, life, and salvation. In Jesus Christ, our Lord. Amen. Thank you for listening to the King of Glory Church Education Podcast. Our mission is to connect to God and His people, grow in faith and love, and live through service and sharing. Visit us on the web at kogva.org. 